in today's show. We're going to look back at the 2021-2022 season for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and their 2021-2022 season, the off-season, what they look like, where we go from here. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) Massive surprise, the Cavs were. 44-38. They'll be disappointed that they didn't end up making the playoffs after losing the 7-8 game and then the 8-9 game. Um, But things were trending down for them about midway through the season as things started to come on. Stark injuries caught up with them and just teams started to play them better. So overall, it was a successful season. But to finish your year three and seven with injuries to some key players, that, that, that had an impact for sure. What they do though, is they do get to keep the first round pick this season uh, from the Karis Levert deal. So they currently have a lottery pick. It's the 14th spot at the moment before the lottery. They'll have that pick. They'll have pick 39 from the Spurs, and they have the Heat's pick 58. They lose their second-round pick, though. That goes to the Grizzlies. Uh, that was pick 47. So they have at least pick 14, 39, 58, with the chance, of course, from 14 to move up into the top four, even though it is a very slim chance. But they surprised everyone this year. They were 20th on offense, but 7th on defense. That's the real key, isn't it? This is the team that a couple of years ago fielded one of the worst NBA defenses ever, like just one of the worst defenses you will ever see. But pairing Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in that front court, it turned things around. And that's really how they were able to have success in this season is defensively. They've still, they're by no means a guarantee to push into becoming a powerhouse in the future. They've got a good young core, but the moves around the perimeter of those three players is going to be really key for them as we move forward. How does their cap situation look? They are over the cap. They have Colin Sexton as the biggest question, one of the biggest questions in the offseason, to be honest, a restricted free agent. He was playing very efficient basketball prior to this year. Sucks on defense. He's not a point guard. He's small. He's probably best, best suited to a sixth man role. And this year... He struggled before his injury, which cost him the remainder of the year, that torn meniscus. But he didn't play well before that injury. There was talk that he rejected like a $20 million a year extension. Uh, It seems to be stupid to give him that much. He's obviously not worth that. He wasn't worth that before this season. He's not worth that now. He's very clearly not their best player or in their best three players. Um, I thought it was pretty clear he wasn't their best guard even before this season. But he is still... Can you be a useful enough player as a shooter, as a scorer, as an efficient sort of guy? But defensively, him and Garland, I don't know how that works. I don't know what you do with him. 
I think you try and bring him back. That's going to be dependent on the price. But I also wouldn't be adverse to signing and trading and trying to get someone who makes more sense across on the wing. Dean Wade's got a $1.9 million team option. They sort of like him. I don't think they should like him as much as they do, but they'll bring him back. Ed Davis and Rondo are both unrestricted. Rondo's cooked. Is play-in Rondo different to playoff Rondo? Because he was shit-house in those games. He was shit-house all season. He's been shit-house for five years, six years, seven years. But people still buy into him. There's no reason for him to be on an NBA roster at this point, I don't think. Ed Davis amazingly started games. I don't think you need to bring him back. Lamar Stevens has a non-guarantee. He showed enough to be you know, at least on a roster, $1.7 million. Moses Brown is restricted. Brandon Goodwin's unrestricted as a two-way guy. Goodwin is all right. Moses Brown, interesting. A guy that can come in, fill in, put up good numbers, but is he actually good? No. I don't think he'll actually ever end up being good either. He's a, a bit of a numbers player. Some of the advanced stuff is not horrible on him. It's not completely like disgusting in some situations. But overall, I think that his fantasy impact overrates what he is as a player. But he's a restricted free agent. So whether they decide to bring him back or not, I don't know. I don't think they should necessarily prioritize that. But he's not going to have a market around the league. So you're about to get him back, I would say, at pretty much like a league minimum sort of rate. The best tasting protein bar? It's Built Bar. It's pretty obvious. Instead of reaching for a candy bar, in the mornings, well, I don't. I wouldn't reach for a candy bar in the mornings. Anyway, I'm not an idiot, but I go every morning. Built bar, breakfast, sorted. It's 130 calories in a bar. It's four grams of sugar, low carbs, low fat, but high in protein. 17 grams of protein. That's a big chunk. That's a big chungus amount of protein in one of these bars. And you've had protein bars before. You know what they taste like? Dirt, concrete, sandpaper. This just tastes beautiful. Plus, they're new puffs which are protein infused marshmallow. I had a lemon dip cheesecake one of those this morning. It was beautiful. And you can get these at 15% off. So head to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll save 15% off your order of Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. Let's talk players. Let's talk this squad. Let's talk their absolute stud point guard, Darius Garland, who I was pretty big on getting in the 40s or 50s of drafts. His ADP was 70. He was on my like, hey, let's get this guy before that list. Um, I didn't see this though. I didn't see top 25 at all. It was helped by the fact that Sexton went down and they were forced to lean into him as their best player. Glad they did. It was obvious, but they were forced into it. He played just an astonishingly large amount of minutes, 36 minutes, and he had a rooted back for most of the season. 22, three and eight and a half. Two and a half threes, 1.3 steals. And shot really well. 38 from three, 51 from two, 46 overall and 89 from the line. Is there still room for him to improve? I think so, yeah. He's only 22. What it's going to be though, the 36 minutes worries me that it won't stick at that level. What the next step for him is going from 28 usage or 27 and a half usage to 29 or 30. Taking the um, 3.5 free throw attempts, getting that, to five and a half is where it all comes from. That's an extra two to three points right there. Well, it's not three, but it's two. You can get to six or seven, then we're really talking. So that's the next step for Garlo is taking your free throw attempt rates up, getting to the rim more and drawing those free throw attempts. That'll come, I think. And that takes him to a 25, four and eight player. The steals are nice. The three is getting that to three a game. He attempted only 39% of his shots from three. 
getting some more three-pointers and pull-up threes into his game will be great. Hitting them above league average efficiency was awesome as well. I just think there's a lot to like here. Is there a chance he's not a top 25 player next year? Yeah, I think you have to factor that in because we don't know what happens with Sexton. Does he last or does he play 36 a night? Maybe not. And maybe that leads to a bit of a drop in assist numbers or more importantly, that the free throw attempts don't go up and that sort of caps his scoring. I would bank on him being good. I would bank on him being a third round player. And I think that the overall best case scenario for him is top 15. Maybe, because he's already got the high assist there, right? So it's about, can you take this to Trey Young levels? You've got more steals than Trey. Your assists are close. Your free throw percentage is hot there, but you need to take that and double it. You need to take the free throw attempts. That's what it comes down to. You need to double your free throw attempts. And then the top 15 is there. The top 10 is there. Maybe for Garlo. Advanced stats, he was... He led the team in Raptor. Offensively, he was right up there. We know that. EPM, he was actually second behind um, Jarrett Allen. One bloke's in the 97th percentile. One's in the 96th. He contributed the most wins. He was above average league. A league average true shooting and effective field goal percentage. But he just needs to get to the rim more and finish at the rim more. I worry a little bit that he was shooting 47% on mid-ranges and it made up such a big part of his shot diet that that can fall off. And he's a horrifically bad rebounder. We need to get a little bit more there. But a passing was great. Steals were solid. He's just really good. Yeah, him and Allen were right up there in terms of the most impact on this team in terms of advanced stuff. And the Darko trajectory that he's got is through the roof. It's going up real high. And I don't think it's necessarily really close to slowing down. His net rating or his on-off plus 12 is a stupid number. Now that helps when your backups are Rajon Rondo, but that's that's a, a gigantic number. Again, it helps that Rondo was the backup. But he was playing for the season at the beginning of the season with Rubio as his backup, who was really good. And there was a portion where Sexton was there. That's just a staggeringly good number. And there's a lot to like about where Darius Garland can go, but we really need to see those. And I think it will happen, but we need to see those free throws. We need to see that free throw rate really increase. The next play was Jarrett Allen. I didn't see it coming. I didn't. I like Jared Allen, and I have liked him for a while. But I thought with Mobley there, with Marketing there, with Love there, um, I didn't think that he'd play 32 minutes a night. He'd become, honestly, was one of my defensive players of the year, that he'd maintain 18% usage. He averaged 16 and 11. He's only 24, 1.4 blocks, 68 and 71. One of the issues with him in the past has been poor free throws as well, and he got that sort of figured out. Not quite, but sort of. In a points league, he was 48th, averaging 36 fantasy points. Second on this team in uh, Raptor. His defensive Raptor metrics are through the roof. His defensive metrics on all sides are through the roof. His EPM is 99th percentile. He's true shooting an effective field goal percentage at 98th percentile. His finishing at the rim is amazing. His rebounding is great. His shot blocking is good. His LeBron is massive. His Darko is, is huge. Actually, oh yeah, it's huge. 1.4. Big, huge steps forward again this season. Really took that leap. And made the All-Star game. Not a real All-Star necessarily in terms of didn't get selected in was an injury replacement and not someone I'd bank on being a consistent All-Star every every year. But I just thought, well, they've signed this contract. It doesn't make sense after drafting Mobley. How is it going to work? And I was wrong on that very easily. Plus 4.2 net rating as well. I think the difference here with him and Garland is I look at this and go, where does this get better? 16 and 11, 1.4 blocks. Well, maybe 1.7 blocks, but 68 shooting. 71 from the line. That's close to best case. 
I don't think he'll ever start banging in threes. And will he ever demand more than, what is he at, 18% usage? I highly doubt that. I don't think he's going to be a guy that can be a 20 and 11 player through getting extra usage. Um, so while he's 40th, people will draft him third and fourth round next season. I've got no doubt about that. The broken finger hurt him, obviously, and hurt the team a lot. Massively impactful defender. I'm I'm a bit... He's 24, so it's hard to say. Is this his ceiling, though? Is this best-case scenario for Jared Allen? And I look at Garland and say no, but I look at Allen and I can't rule out that that's, this is his ceiling. Can he have better years than this overall? Mm, I don't know. Especially when the bloke coming behind him is going to be great. Evan Mobley was the 78th-ranked player in fantasy. He was picked to pick 85, so we, we got that bang on, didn't we, ADP-wise? He's not 21 yet. He played 34 minutes, averaged 15 and 8. He didn't take many threes and didn't hit them very well. But 2.5 assists, 1.7 blocks, 51 and 66. It's really easy to see where the improvement comes here. Fantasy points leagues, 57th ranked player, 34 fantasy points. It's really easy to see where it comes. Number one, his usage was 20%. He's never going to be a 27 guy. He might not be a 25, but 23, 24 usage is possible. It's getting and hitting more threes. 0.7 to 0.9 threes per game, one three a game, absolutely possible, John Collins style. Rebounds, yep, eight to nine. That's sort of where he'll be. The assists is where I'm really interested. Two and a half as a rookie is massive, and he just barely had the ball in his hands. That that can hit four. A steal a game, sure. Two blocks per game, maybe. 51%, that's where you go. 55, yes. And then 66 in the line, that can be 75 easy. This is a future top 20 player, I believe. Anthony Davis-like impact, probably not, because I'm not sure the offensive game will ever be a 25, 26-point-per-game scorer. I don't think that's the case. But, you know, prime, best-case John Collins, where he was top 15, why not? Could he be better than that because he adds more shot blocks in? Maybe. He was legitimately one of the best defensive players in the NBA this season. The advanced stuff isn't as high on him because it doesn't like his offense, really down offensively. But a plus 1.7 Raptor defense is great. He was 96 percentile in defense on EPM. It's just that the offense, he was either at average or below league average. Finished at the rim nicely, but the three-point shooting killed him. He needs to take more of, turn more of those mid-ranges into rim finishes or to three-point attempts. And I think there's room for him to improve his, improve his assist numbers. 54th percentile in assist rate is really good as a rookie power forward. He also probably played better at center, so there is some concern that maybe the ceiling is capped with Allen around. But next year, he is going in the top 50. I've got no doubt about that. And that's rightfully so, because I expect the 15 and 8 to become 17 and a half and 8 on 53 and 70. Early stages before I actually properly project it out. But I think that's realistic. He's going to be, yeah, I think, rookie of the year, if not top two. He's going to be all-rookie first team, guaranteed. And I think he's probably going to make an all-defense team. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. I think he should. But I think he was just so impressive. And in a dynasty league, this is a top 12 player, top 15 player, I think. That's how good I think he is. You can't... Under and it's not flashy because he averaged 15 points. You can't understate how good he was defensively. Rookies do not come in and play... The big men do not play this well defensively. It's just... It's just not... They just don't do it. 
He was amazing, and there is a lot of offensive growth to come here with Evan Mobley. So don't look at 78 as a rookie and go, well, you know, that's fine. This is, if he's top 30 next year, it's it's probably likely. And then top 20, top 15 after that. I, I would expect huge steps forward for him. And eventually, like a really, really big stud type of player. If you wanted to take a bet on Evan Mobley and find the odds for his rookie of the year campaign, you could do it at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Larry Markkinen just snuck in the top 100, 97th overall player this year. He was drafted 118th. I'll admit it, I didn't like drafting him there. I didn't see the upside. He beat it, not by much. 31 minutes, 15 points. Two threes, five, five and a half boards. Putrid defense, as usual. Good from the line, 87% but 45 overall. Like, so why was he able to be a top 100 player? What pushed him there? What was the good category? Oh, it was threes. That's not that important, is it? Like the rebounding is nice. The free throws are nice, but he's not a valuable fantasy player. And starting at the three makes no sense. They got they got it to work to begin, to begin the year. I wouldn't say it worked all year. And I wouldn't say that he was particularly good in his role. He was fine. Now, plus 0.8. Raptor is okay. 1.2 EPM is really good. I think that he's maybe getting a little bit overrated with some of his offensive contributions. But if I was the Cavs GM, I'd be very much looking to try and upgrade him at the three. It doesn't make sense to me to play him there. Now, all of his advanced stats are huge, and he took big steps forward in them all year. Really big improvements. But from a fantasy perspective, it's just more of the same from Markkinen. Like, he hit threes, and that's it. The free throws are good, and there's okay volume there, but not a guy that I think can sustain this. I think they overpaid for him. Was he got 16, 17 million the next two years and then an 18 million partial guarantee? He's 24, so he's in his prime. And again, it probably worked out this season. I just think that, you know, I'm not going to bank on him top 100 next year. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not probably going to take him in the later rounds because I'm just not sure the upside's big enough to care about that. 112th in points leagues. And I don't really see where he goes dynasty-wise. He took steps forward this year, but it didn't really translate fantastically into fantasy, did it? Like all of those advanced stats increases, it didn't really mean much. It meant that he could stay on the court more, which helps him for fantasy, sure, but it didn't actually improve his individual numbers because he was able to, to be a really useful spacing piece when you're playing um, Mobley and Allen together, but O and Okoro, but that's more a factor of how this team looks versus what his long-term role is probably going to be. Kevin Love, he's 33. He played 74 games. It's amazing. Did he play like 20 last year? That's amazing. 115th ranked player. Only 23 minutes. He averaged 13 and 7 with two and a half threes. And much like Markkinen, no steals, no blocks. To be fair to Markkinen, he did average 0.8 steals, which is not terrible. He was great from the line and bad from the field. It's basically a mirror image of what Markkinen did. He had more assists and rebounds, but less steals. 
and you look at them, they're 20 spots apart on the ranking list. But what you, you how you value those guys just depends. Do I like the fact that Markkinen got 0.8 steals versus Love's 0.4? Or do I like the additional one and a half rebounds and one assist that Love gave me? And that's why your rankings are fine to talk about in the abstract. But when you're actually digging down and looking at players and talking about their role on your fantasy team, it becomes a little bit irrelevant. Because 20 spots ahead, marketing from love, whereas it's the difference of, do I want steals or do I want more assists and rebounds? Like that's what it really comes down to. Like marketing has got the edge in a few other areas. I'm being a little bit, you know, not facetious, but I'm being a little bit dismissive of some of his stuff. But that's really the difference here. And that accounts for 20 spots. Look, Love was great in his role. Nominated for sixth man of the year. Um, plus 2.3 Raptor, really strong. Third on this team in EPM, really strong. Efficiency, unbelievably good. Rebounding, really strong again. But he's playing this new role in his career. We know who Kevin Love is. We hope that he can stay healthy in the future. How many years has he got left on this contract? Only one, 29 million next year. You reckon this... Yeah, you're not going to draft him, I wouldn't have thought, in 12-team formats moving forward. Maybe he plays 22, 21 minutes. They, don't, they didn't push him. They didn't need to push him. They didn't want to push him, which is great. It's what they should do. But you know, this is just going to start tailing off and tailing off fantasy-wise. And look, he was 120, top 120 this year. Yeah, I don't really think that that's any sort of expectation that we should have on Kevin Love as we move forward. He stepped it up this year for sure. Really, really impressed. Stayed healthy. But it's a downward trend from here. Let's look at Levert. 28 minutes for Karras. Started this season with a fractured back. Ended up playing 58 minutes and getting traded. 31 minutes. 17, 4, and 4. Which on the surface, again, 17, 4, and 4. They're great. When you love points, rebounds, assists, he looks like a good fantasy player. But realistically, he's not. 126th ranked player again this year. Low volume threes. Low rebounds. Low steals. Low blocks. Inefficient from the field and inefficient from the line. Not hugely, but below average in both categories. And it's always going to be a problem with him. It's been the persistent thing through his career. That he's low on field goals, low on free throws, below average steals, below average blocks, terrible rebounds, below average threes, and just average scoring. He still played 31 minutes a night. Is it better for this Cavs team if they bring Sexton back to have Levert play at the three and not Markkinen? I actually don't know, and I, I have been in the past a big Karis Levert supporter. I don't know who's the better player. Is Markkinen or Levert a better player? I don't know who's the better defender. The advanced stuff will tell me that it's Markkinen by far. Karis Levert's de- defensive metrics this season are atrocious. They are actually unbelievably bad. His on-off was a negative 6.8. Horrific. He is still 27, so he's sort of in his prime. He's got one more year left on his deal at 19 million. But yeah, where, where does he fit? I, I, think, I think he's like a 26-minute-a-night player. And he can be better than this, but it's not going to be on this team. For him to be better than this, he needs to get the ball a ton and basically run as a pseudo-point guard, have a 28 usage, and get 20 points with six assists. He can do it, but why would you tailor your team around Karis LeVert? You wouldn't. And that's why we look at it and go, well, he did it. And he did that back when he was playing in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. He had that 20-point season. But it's well below league efficiency, and it's just not the makings of a good team. 
I don't think, to have him in that role. Like an E field goal percentage of 49%, that's 27th percentile. That's actually horrible. And he did it while shooting above average on mid-rangers, which we know is fraught with danger. Bad rebounds, solid assists. Defensive stats, not good. Defensive metrics, terrible. I probably wouldn't be drafting. Like I'm dev- not top 100. Absolutely no way. Even if Sexton doesn't come back, no way. As for Sexton, as I said, he started the season. I only played 29 minutes. And the rankings are horrible. 231st in per game value. In points leagues, 159th. So why, when he was consistently in that 60 to 75 range, why was it so bad this year? He still averaged 16 points. But the problem, as I've mentioned so many times over the years with Colin Sexton, is that his value comes from high-volume scoring on really good efficiency. There's no rebounds. He doesn't shoot enough threes. There's no assists. There's no steals. There's no blocks. He gives you nothing in those other areas. And this year, he shot, for some reason, 74 from the line, negative value, and 45 overall. He still got three rebounds and two assists and hit one three. The threes are only at 24%. They would have, they would have bounced back. So the 231 is not like, well, that's how bad he is now. Like, I think we can look at him as maybe 130, 140 in that Karis Levert range. But the thing that I talked about is that if the shots aren't going in at well above league average, he's just useless. And that's basically what happened for him this season. His numbers were horrifically bad. Offensively, he was a big negative. It feels like he didn't like the role necessarily. He still had 27% usage, but the numbers are just really, really bad. Um in terms of that shooting, which if he had have stayed healthy, you know, would have would have been able to um, improve. He's historically been a horrific advanced stats guy. He was last on this team in LeBron. That's been the thing with him always. This is the advanced stats have been pretty bad most of the time. He's still nowhere near even a zero in Darko and the numbers really decrease for him this season. And if we look at his on-off, I imagine that's pretty rough as well. Negative nine, yeah. I think getting him on a $12 million contract would be good and playing him 26 minutes, but you can't play him too much with Garland. And I don't know how much you can play him with Levert. Like, you need a backup point guard. Is Levert that guy? I don't know. Is Sexton that guy? Probably not. So they're both sort of the same guy. And at least one of those players, that Sexton's got a history of showing he can be a good shooter, whereas Levert never has. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not writing him off completely sexo, but that, which is something we talked about a lot as well preseason and in previous years, is that this little run he's having, it's very much career high type stuff. Like, I don't see where it gets better. And he's not going back, I don't think, to a top 70 player. Would I take him with the last pick in the draft, depending on scenario? Yeah. And see what happens, because he was able to be a 20 plus scorer on really high efficiency. And that's valuable if it happens. But there's just no buffer. There's nothing else that he does that's good. Speaking of doing nothing good, Isaac Okoro was the 251st ranked player this year. He's only 21, sure. But to play only 30 minutes when your team suffered injuries to Rubio and Sexton, to average under nine points, despite playing those minutes, under a three, under two assists, and to be a defensive guy who combines for 1.1 stacks, stacks, no, 0.8 steals, 0.3 blocks, they're bad numbers. 77 from the line is about average. 35 from three is about average. I just don't know what's good about him. We saw in the playoffs, they just marginalize him because he just is a nothing offensively. 
will he's still got room to improve? Obviously, he's a, he's a young player, two years in. I don't know that there's much upside there for him to ever become a good fantasy guy. A guy that I hated fantasy rookie translations for, they were terrible. His advanced stats are okay, but it's not like he's out there dropping huge defensive metrics. Like his 51st percentile in defensive EPM. And he's still you know, above average league shooting somehow. But the volume is just so small that, and the usage is so 12%, it's so small that it just doesn't have an impact. Again, he's a solid enough defender. Solid. But he's not elite. He's not great. And it doesn't lead to big fantasy stats or you know, big defensive stats. He doesn't accumulate them. I don't think he'll ever have a top 100 season. I don't think he's ever got that offensive gear to ramp up. And he's not bringing big defensive numbers. This will be a key year in his third year. I'm not going to write it off completely that he can start to develop. But... I don't see where the shots come from or anything else really in terms of fantasy stat accumulation. The Discman, City Asman. What an up and down year this was. 22 minutes, 11 points, 43% shooting. Couldn't hit from the free throw line. Didn't get steals or blocks. Assists would go up and down. Out of the rotation, into the rotation. 25 points on 80%, 4 points on 1%. Like just the most horrific inconsistency you would see from a bloke. He was just all over the place. He was sort of... You know, rotation-wise, the ninth man. And if Sexton's back, if Levert's there, if Okoro's around, he was overtaken by Lamar Stevens. I don't know what his role is. He's got one year left at $7 million, then a partial guarantee of 6.7 the year after, so this is declining. But he's just not someone that we want to rely upon. His advanced stuff is pretty rough for this season as well. And I don't know. The opportunities have been there for him the last couple of years. He had a nice little spike in the middle of this year in production, but overall, I just think the chances have been there. He hasn't taken them. He's gotten worse. See you later. No value there. Rondo, nope. Dean Wade, filled in, but has a torn meniscus now. Filled in and did okay when he was out there, but 0.1 blocks as a power forward center, admittedly played the three a lot. That's a really low number in 19 minutes. He averaged five and three. He didn't do anything that really stood out to me where you know, I'd look at the numbers and go, wow, look how high Dean Wade is in all these categories. Now, in saying that, his advanced metrics, especially defensively and on the perimeter, I thought he was okay. They're solid enough. He's a low-usage player who honestly might fit better than what Isaac Okoro does as an as a option as a low-usage guy. I don't think that's 100% true, but he did what he needed to do when he was out there this season. But I don't think there's any ability for that to improve or to ramp up. Lamar Stevens, similarly, six points, 16 minutes. He had some moments where he had some unbelievable scoring nights. But overall, that's just not a um, reliable thing as we move forward. His offense is too iffy. His shooting is too iffy. He was well below league average effective field goal and true shooting. He hit 27% from three. Defensively, he was strong, but it doesn't make up for it. To me, he's not a guy you want to rely upon in that rotation. And the other guys on this roster, like Goodwin, Moses Brown, and Moses Brown, again, had a few good moments and was rosterable at the end of the year. But as soon as they could, he was out of the rotation. And I don't think you need to be hoping that a big breakout's coming. I just don't think it's happening. Goodwin was okay. The other guy is Dylan Windler, who I'd hoped would be able to develop into an NBA player at this point, but he hasn't. And I think it's time to probably give up on that. Raptor was okay on him. Not completely off, especially defensively. I'm a little skeptical on that. 
I'm not really believing that that's who Dylan Windler is as a player. But he had a few opportunities. He didn't really take them. The shooting has never come around for him. And that was supposed to be his big thing. He's supposed to be a pretty good rebounder as well. And it's never really come through either. I'm just not really sure that there's much to like there long-term. They've got a lot of gaps in this rotation, on the wing especially. There's no threes. They're playing a power forward or a shooting guard at three. And how they fit Sexton in is going to be a real query. And their expectations and fantasy projections are going to depend so much on what they do this offseason. Do they think that they're closer than they are? That is a real risk. And I think that risk was already sort of bared out with the Levert trade. Let's see where they go. They need a real backup point guard. They need a real wing. And they need to figure out what they're doing with Sexton, Levert, and Okoro. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.